thirsty, my friends. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Touchdown, Packers! Football is life! Lana! What? <laughs> Danger zone. No! 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 Sack you out in the end. This is the way. It's morphin' time! The joyful and jolly Jessica Fish. Ew, David. And be better protected from mayhem. Like me. Hello, Wisconsin! Hello. I'm the doctor. No! Welcome one, welcome all to the nerdiest podcast in the Midwest, an episode where we need to stop sleeping and rise up on the Midwestern Nerds podcast. I am your host, Brian Stoffel, joined as always by my partner in crime, my sidekick, Kyle Kyle Olson. (laughs) We are your Midwestern Nerds, that's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N. E-R-D-S. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Midwestern Nerds as long as Twitter is still a thing. We are the Midwestern Nerds podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send that to MidwesternNerds at gmail.com. Please remember to uh, rate and review, share and subscribe, be kind, please rewind. All of that spiel usually comes at the end of this episode, but you can find this episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been crazy start to what's probably going to be a crazy episode it could have been crazier we were planning to have a special guest uh our star wars guy josh uh dropped the ball on us wasn't able to join us Um, (laughs) i'm i'm only annoyed because i wanted to take this time to uh throw our topic in his face and say i told you so because we are wrapping up our andor talk this week a show that during our Obi-Wan uh, wrap-up discussion with him, he said, who cares about Andor? I don't care about Andor. I'm not excited for this show. It's probably not going to be that great. It's probably going to be boring like Rogue One. Who cares? Boo-hoo. And I wanted to say, I told you so, because I was hyping that up. And he was like, yeah, you're wrong. But I was right. You were wrong. Josh, I know you're going to be our seventh listener this week. So hear me when I say, I told you so. That being said, like I said, we are wrapping up our Andor discussion. We are going to be talking about the last two episodes of the ser- of the season one. Because we didn't talk about the penultimate episode because I hadn't caught up on it yet. And we talked about some other things. This is a Wednesday that feels like it's a Sunday from two weeks ago. That's how long this week feels. So... Uh, let's jump into our Andor discussions. Uh, the penultimate episode, a lot happened. And also like, I felt like not a lot happened. Like it it was a bit of buildup to that last episode. Of course, we were starting to wrap up and tie some things up. Some big key, important things happen. Yep. There's a lot of conversations that happened in that episode though. I know this is pretty normal for this show, but I felt like it was more for this episode because it took me like two and a half times to watch this episode to fully get it. First time dog would not let me focus at all. Half of the second time the dog would not let me focus at all. 
it took three viewings of it to be like, okay, I got it. Um, big takeaways. Uh, and Cassian, he's the episode starts with him hanging on the cliff ledge with one of the uh, prison workers that was a part of his crew. We see that this is a guy that if you've caught up with Rogue One in recent uh, past, he is affiliated with Andor in that movie. So it's fun to see him. Uh, them it's both. Melshi. Melshi. Uh, you have IMDb open. Don't say it. Yeah, like of you course I do. But I've, I know his name from the <laughs> from the show, actually, more so from the movie. Yeah. Okay, Mister. I'm so proud. I got. I get Coruscant right every time we talk about Star Wars. I'm getting better. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Milshi, I guess his name is uh, Rogue One guy. That's that's how I know him. Uh, it's it's fun to see that he is uh, with Andor and that they've got a little bit of a a bond now that they've made it out of this. How did they? The the one thing that I was like eh about in this episode was when they get caught by the two aliens. I was like, great, everybody who's like all that's in the show is humans. We don't see any aliens now. You can shut up. You saw aliens, but I watched this episode like I said three times, and I'm still confused on how conveniently they just let them go because the whole time they're talking about how like they could make a big. A big score off of them if they turn them in they can make lots of money they're the guys who pollute our river and our lake and then the next thing i know it's like oh we're gonna let you go from <laughs> from my understanding it was they realized that they were prisoners of the empire and they hate the empire so much that they were like yeah fuck it we'll help you <laughs> okay it must have happened like real quick towards the end of that yeah. scene because it's, I... it's it, i think it was a it was another good example that the show has shown multiple times just of the microcosm effects that the empire and their stranglehold on society can have on their downfall like it's just these little things like oh these random fucking fishermen hate the empire so they're gonna let these two random prisoners go which ultimately become this huge like it's just it's it's like this small domino effect that you that you get to see that's that's the way i took it that like again i missed that three times watching it so that's i'm fair. gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna ping that on this on this episode for that and then yep. the only other criticism that i had was it's it kind of is a carryover from like four episodes ago already uh when cassian finally gets back to uh to orlando florida planet um and takes his briefcase from atop the shower Mm -hmm. and it's untouched like everything's fine and dandy like that was a terrible hiding spot i'm sorry but uh hooker girl that's uh staying with him in that like if you can't see a, a suitcase hiding on top of the shower the only reason we could see it is because of the camera angle (laughs) but still but still like i could i couldn't tell you the amount of times that i've gone to a hotel room and never looked in the closet or the cabinets (laughs) i put my shit on the desk and and then i just dig through my bag from there uh and that's why one day you'll probably get bed bugs from a a hotel especially when you do your your business trips for work And when that happens i am changing apartments um (laughs) so those are my only two criticisms i i felt like he could have had a better hiding spot or i i would have found it a little like 
I think it would have worked better for me if he would have like taken the briefcase down and he would have noticed like half his money's gone. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like, was just thinking too. If, if we like it, if he would have known somehow that she took some. Yes, or like the blaster is missing or something, you know, just just to make it look like it wasn't hiding up there for however long he was in prison. I want to say it was probably like months. So it was a um, while. Yeah. Those are my only two criticisms. Otherwise, I liked everything else that happened in this episode. I loved the stuff that was happening with um, Luthen and Saw Gerrera about um, not Kino uh, Krieger, yeah. uh, and and the whole the whole setup. I, I felt like it was very important because a it backs up Luthen's character of he's going to do whatever is necessary in order to uh, go forward with the rebels. And it also, I feel like sets Saw Gerrera's character in motion for where we eventually see him in Rogue One. Mm -hmm. uh, so far in the series, he's been very much um, a team player. He's been very much like a, like a, a good leader in the mm -hmm. sense of like he's looking out for all of his people he's got the biggest problem of not selling this guy out because that's not what they do and it luthan finally convinces them that no this is what we need to do so that the empire doesn't get suspicious of us they don't like catch on to what we're doing uh kind of opens his eyes to the big picture and i feel like this is like the first domino that tips over to send saw Gerrera over the edge of being like the the huge radical gorilla type uh rebel leader that he's eventually gonna turn into and eventually start to go a little crazy um so far he's very he's been very level-headed and mm -hmm. i i would say well-mannered and i like that this kind of sets up uh his character turn and I can't wait to see more of him in season two. Yeah, I I think my favorite part about all that was, I mean, when he when when Luthen first came to Saul, it was like, you know, I need you to help uh, Krieger. But then Saul didn't want to do it at first because he said he was dumb and he was sloppy, slow, whatever. He didn't he didn't like Krieger. But then when Luthen comes back in this episode and he's like, at, he he, I don't even think he's going to ask him about that. He's basically just going to check in on. Saul Guerrero, and then Saul's just like, "Oh yeah, now now I want to go help him. I understand the cause now. I want to go help your guy." And it's like, okay, now Luthen knows that this is a trap, so he's not he doesn't want to send Saul and his people into this trap. So now he's trying to talk Saul out of it without revealing that he knows it's a trap. Like it was so interesting the way that Luthen was trying to skirt around it, and Saul like just so persistent on wanting to help because now you've turned me into this rebel, and then he finally reveals it, and then. Saul immediately, like you said, he's so focused on his people. His first reaction to learning about this was like, I now who, how do I know who to trust? Like, how do I know you don't have people inside of my group? Like, how do, how do I know what, what's going on here? And then Luthan immediately turns that on his head. He goes, oh yeah, I do have a guy inside. It's two tubes. <laughs> and yes. two tubes is actually, but two tubes is like, no, wait, 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 wait what's going on? And then I, I like that. Like two so tubes, good. like, like, and I don't know what the guy's name is, but Luthen calls him two tubes, which mm -hmm. I find hilarious. But I like that 
two tubes is giving him a hard time when he gets there and then he's just like oh fuck me no fuck you and then throws him under the bus but it was but it was like a calculated ploy too because he knew tubes would get closer he could draw tubes's gun on Saul Guerrero just to de-escalate everything that was like Luthen is always one step ahead thinking above everyone else it's so impressive um yeah that scene to me was just so much fun uh, I, I loved his line when he was coming in and they were checking his weapon and he said, you can either give it back or put it down. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I loved it. Uh, yeah, I love, I absolutely love Luthen. I'm not prepared to see him die in season two because we know it's going to happen. I know uh, he's, he's becoming one of my favorite Star Wars characters, which says you know, a lot about this show. Right. You know, what's, it makes me. It makes me mad at Marvel for not using Stellan Skarsgård more and or better. Like they made him run around the fucking the what, what's the landmark that he was running around naked? Uh, Stonehenge. Stonehenge. I mean, that's that's ultimately where he can't. And now he's you know off screen. He's like this amazing multiverse, whatever. Well, not only that, but like I, I think of I think of him as uh, I forget his name in the Thor movies. Um, but I think of him from those, from the MCU. I also think of him as uh, Will Turner's father in Pirates of the Caribbean. Of oh, see, I have those movies. Uh, he's in those, and he's he's decent. But like Pirates is kind of similar to Marvel, where like they give him some to do, but they don't like. And I like, know he's that amazing. And I know that he's like big in a lot of like uh, classic movies that. I, I haven't seen a whole lot of. I've mostly seen him from his franchise stuff. And oh my god, he was in Dune too. And like, I feel like all of the franchise stuff kind of like let him down until we get to Andor here, where it's like, no, nope, this is this is the caliber of actor that we have. Uh, so let's good. let's utilize him. And then he's he's on his way back to Coruscant when uh, he gets stopped by a uh, Imperial destroyer. That's right. And he makes his escape with uh, his awesome ship. We see how decked out and how, like, we see this guy talk the talk throughout this whole series. Mm -hmm. This this is one of the rare moments where we get to see him walk the walk, where it's like, no, nope, yep, this guy is a badass. Don't fuck with him. Mm -hmm. uh, he's going to wreck you. Uh, not only does he take out, like, what, five TIE fighters, but he also dismantles their, their tracking uh, system. And he also... Yeah, and he damages their ship. And it's to the point where they're like, do we report this? Because it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. It's so smart because he's in the tractor beam and he starts to try to escape to make them like almost intensify it or whatever. So that when he unleashes his shards, like he, he releases like metal shards. And then the tractor beam is trying to pull in something the size of his ship. So when they so when the tractor beam pulls in these small metal shards they're coming in at fucking ungodly speeds and it just destroys the tractor beam he's so odd uh, he's awesome I, the character is awesome Stellan Skarsgård is doing an amazing job with him uh, his ship yeah. had had these two uh looked like lightsaber beams like come out and cut down some tie fighters which is pretty sweet this episode brought up more of the rumors about Luthen that I kind of want to jump on board with Yes, uh, there there were some whispers about some rumors going around of who his character might be uh, throughout the season, and then I feel like they got very loud and vocal after this episode. Mm -hmm. And the rumors 
that I fully support and I I, I jump on it. Like I, I hope that this comes to be in season two. Uh a lot of people think that he's a Jedi. Yes. And I think that it makes complete sense that complete. he would be. Um not just not just the dual the dual blades that came out of a ship. Uh how many Jedi artifacts does he have in his shop? He's got uh he's got both uh, Jedi and Sith holocrons like in, mm-hmm. in his back shelves. He gave uh, Andor a kyber crystal mm-hmm. that that's like the, the power source of a lightsaber to Andor his during staff, the, during the, the could heist easily stuff. be his lightsaber that he's disguised. Like all of this stuff is so smartly in plain sight as well. It's not like he's hiding this in a cave where someone can discover that he's a, he's hiding this like, like he found these. Like, it's so smart. And it would answer the question that I have that I feel like other people do too, but just haven't vocally asked. What's what's he got in this game? Like, what's, what's his motivation? What's driving him to start the Rebel Alliance other than Empire Bad and... Uh, 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 we, we need to take him down. Like, I want to know... Like what caused him to to turn to be like no I we need I need to start this fight and I need to see it through I I want to know the motivation behind it and if he was an exiled Jedi in hiding and seeing the the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Empire firsthand from the Jedi's perspective that's more than enough uh, motivation to start this this uh, rebel uprising. Because he seems to be the one that knows the severity of what's happening the most. Like, he's yes. the one that's convincing everyone how bad this is. Um, I mean, he gives the line about giving up everything. Like, he literally had to give up. Not only as a Jedi, you have to give up everything, <laughs> right? But then post uh, Order 66, like, he had to give up his way of life at that point, too. And now he's in hiding, trying to take them down without being who he truly is. Like, there's... There are there is evidence to it too. Um, again, I'll shout out New Rockstars as I always do. I think it was New Rockstars or maybe a Screen Crush. One of them has a great video on this, on laying down every single detail throughout this whole show. It's amazing um, to think about. But uh, man, what was I going to say here? <laughs> no, the, you're you're right. I want to know, like the antithesis to this. Like what happened early on? The, a couple of the characters have mentioned a pledge. You t- we took a pledge. Like, when did this pledge happen? <laughs> what was the pledge? Why did this pledge take place? I want to know where all these people, like, a lot of these people basically swore their lives away to this rebellion, and we don't know why. And I'm very curious to know. I don't know if we're going to get maybe the first two episodes of season two could maybe be a flashback or maybe a couple middle episodes or something. We, I, I feel like we need to visit that at some point. I feel like it's going to be either middle of season two or, like, the end of the the second second third the end of the third arc because since since sure since this season went in three episode arcs and i've heard that the next season does too and the next season along with those three episode arcs also jumps in time afterwards like yeah. after each arc we we go forward in time Makes and sense. so i would there were two episodes in this season one or two episodes that 
weren't part of like the arc. Like they were like the in-betweener. And yeah. I hope and I hope that if they do that again next season, that's the flashback episode that kind of like like let's get the reveal that Luthen's a Jedi at the end of an episode, and then the next episode we go back in time and we see and we we get th- these questions answered because characters like Mon Mothma, I I get it. Like you're part of the Senate, you're not heard. You have a lot of um. Not only do you have a lot of insight of what's going on in the Empire, but all of like the changes that you're trying to make, like are being ignored or brushed to the side, or just flat out told no. So like I understand her like reasons behind joining a rebellion but like Luthen and we 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 get the sense that his his antique shop is a front I mean we we've seen it firsthand but like we know that that's not what he's been doing his whole life and he's just like nope I'm gonna start the rebellion and this is gonna be a, a great ploy that I've been doing my entire life like we know that's not the case well, so I wanna I want to know I want to know his backstory because he's and i get that like that's part of what makes his character so interesting right now is the fact that like he's basically calling the shots and we don't like we know little to nothing about him i want to peel some of those layers back though because like if he is a jedi that would be so fucking awesome and i want it to be i want it to be (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I feel like if you look, if you look ahead to season two, which I know we haven't even gotten to the finale yet, but like you, you look at continuing Cassian's arc into who he is in Rogue One. You look at Mon Mothma and her story leading into her leading the rebellion, because obviously Luthen isn't there anymore. So you, so then the other Luthen story, the third kind of C plot would be Luthen and what happens to him and why, maybe why his downfall happens. Maybe he makes a big sacrifice play, which I would assume so. Um, but like those seem to be the three big arcs other than, I don't know, Valencinta too, I guess. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm so intrigued by all of this. Like we all thought that, oh, they're just throwing in a bunch of cool Star Wars Easter eggs in his shop. Like what a good idea to, to throw all these Easter eggs in. Cause I mean, there's fucking Indiana Jones Easter eggs in these yeah. two, the, <laughs> the carbonite whip and hat and everything. Like, obviously I think they, maybe they threw those in so that we didn't take those seriously. Right. But then all these Jedi things are actually things that Luthen has collected. Like it's, it's so interesting or maybe they're just all fun Easter eggs and Luthen really is just a random nobody. I think that is that, that has created such good intrigue about a show that have, we've seen, we've seen star Wars before the show. And after this show, the fact that they can create such big intrigue around a single character is fascinating. I love it. Uh, they they've just done such a good job. That that point that you just brought up is a good segue into the last episode. Unless there's anything else that you want to talk about. In... The only thing um you mentioned when he when he's uh talking to Melshi, right? And he he gives Melshi the gun if I remember correctly. Um but he doesn't yes. give Melshi any of the credits that he has in that box. There's still we're still early in Cassian Andor's story. He is still very I wouldn't say very, but he is still self-centered to a point where he is he's he's giving a weapon because he he can obviously he's got weapons back on Ferrix, but he doesn't have but he keeps all the cash for himself. He doesn't give Melchi any of the cash that he has. And so I, I think, think there there I, I liked that little detail. It's not like Cassian just 
flipped the switch and he was all of a sudden for the rebellion, he's still a little bit selfish. And I think that's going to carry on throughout this entire series because he that was part of his character arc in Rogue One. Because mm-hmm. in the beginning of Rogue One, he he was very much like, I'm following orders, but like I'm doing what I, what I want to do. And Doesn't like, he sacrifice someone on the rebellion? <laughs> uh, his first opening scene, he shoots a guy after that's he makes the information. Yeah, he shoots one of his one of his uh, allies after he gets <laughs> the information that he needs. So like, it's always been a part of his character, and like that's part of his character arc in Rogue One was like trusting uh, Jyn Erso, listening to Jyn Erso, and mm-hmm. like kind of taking a, a step back and being the follower instead of the leader and like not taking the selfish routes and making the selfish moves. Like, like that was part of his arc in rogue one. So I feel like that's going to be like, we can see character growth of him in season two to wrap up this, this series, but he's still, I feel like he's still going to have a little hint of that throughout. What would be really cool is if he, at one point early in season two, he kind of accepts that leader role and that non-selfish something, but then something goes wrong and he all of a sudden realizes again, no, I still need to look out for myself. Yeah, Yeah. that would be so good. Oh, anyway. Yeah, let's talk about this finale because I honestly, I'll be, I'll be completely honest with you. I forgot that we skipped the penultimate episode and these episodes kind of blur together in my head. So this is where I'm really going to shine here. They they blur a little bit in my head too because I watched both episodes back to back. Like yep. like the full viewing was back to back. So so I'm kind of in the same boat as you. But <laughs> I liked what you said earlier about the series of we know what happens before and we know what happens afterwards. And even with that knowledge, like we still don't know what's happening in this series, and that very much plays a part of this last episode where we know what's gonna happen we like we know the majority of the plot of what's gonna happen in this last episode we know that um that andor's got to go back home and he's got to go to his mom's funeral and we know that everybody is sitting there waiting for him because they either want to capture him or they want to kill him and it's it was the and and we know with this being the 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 season finale that shit's got to go down like you, you got to go out with a bang and we know <laughs> with this funeral that that shit's going to turn sideways <laughs> and yeah. all of that build up just added to the suspense because like i said we didn't know what was going to happen and things were happening during this episode that like I didn't fully see coming or I was like, Oh, they're going there. Wait, no, never mind. They're not going there. Like I was so tense throughout that whole funeral. I was just like waiting for, for the hat to drop and for, for shit to start to go down. When I talk about the storytelling of this show, I mean, it is just, I can't remember the planet that they were on in the first three arc, three shows uh, arc, but the one with the, with the skylights, right. Um, that whole thing was like the locals are traveling up for this light show. And the empire has slowly kind of chipped away at their traditions where eventually this is going to be the last one that they get to go to. 
not all of them are that, you know, like slowly chipping away at the rituals there. Whereas on Ferrix here, they use the traditions and the rituals against the empire where they yeah. start, they start the funeral early. They, they have the, they have the chimes, which I've used so many times in the, and the noise throughout the city, but they use this to gather everyone to one place which the Empire then is almost thinking like, oh, good, everyone's right here. But then that's a terrible idea because everyone's right there and they can dig up on you. Well, like, they but it's also a distraction so that Cassian can do what he's... But I don't even... I don't think anyone knows that Cassian is there. Like, anyone. Other than... Um, everyone thinks Cassian is going to be there. Other than, like, his, his brother figure person. Friend. The guy who was carrying the brick? Can't remember his name now. Yes, um, the guy who's like taking care of B two M O. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, he, he knows he's there. And oh, like, that's right. Because like he talks one other to person. Because he talks to the guy, the guy that he called, the who ends up dying. Which was yeah. they lingered on his body for like thirty seconds. Which was oh yeah, it, it was cool. It made it it made it feel like something. But like I yeah, I just I, again the storytelling of like call uh, almost a callback from before without being super direct about a callback. It's just incredible. I also want to shout out really quick, uh, Nicholas Bertel, who's the composer of this. Um, phenomenal. The opening credits, every every opening credits, right, has been kind of different. He's been adding instruments or changing instruments. Like, he's almost like, he, he's he's telling the story of an episode, if you really dissect it, uh, with just the opening credits. And in this one, it was all of the instruments that he's used throughout this whole season coming together to create this one mega melody. Whereas in this episode, literally every character that we've been focusing on has come together now to Ferrix to this final encounter. Like, it's just phenomenal stuff. I mean, the, the details go so far when you do this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I just, I cannot wait to talk about this funeral. <laughs> they, they established that only 30 people were supposed to be there. There were a hell of a lot more than 30 people there, which that should have the empire in this episode. This, this was like where it was like, okay, this is classic empire where like they were kind of dumb. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you see all these people that should have been like immediately like, nope, shut this down right away. Like we, we, we told you what you could do. You're already breaking rules when, um, I forget his mom's name, but when when her hologram pops up and she's given like her her eulogy and she's basically stoking the crowd up, yeah. they let that With go. Epic, the third epic speech of this show. Yes, which I alluded to in the opening, where she's basically telling them like we've all been sleeping and the Empire's taken advantage of us. Like we need to wake up now and we need to rise up. If we I could do it all over again, I would. Right. Yes, Marva. <laughs> That's her name, Marva. Marva. Yes. Uh, they let that speech go way too long before he kicks the 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 oh, droid absolutely. over to start it over. That should Which... have been shut down. Like as soon as she was like, "We need to wake up. We need to. We need to fight back." Like that should yeah. have been right away. Like, nope. Cut. Cut. Like somebody should have been like, uh -uh, doing <laughs> Which, like the 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 next saw thing right. of like like cut kill it kill it. <laughs> Again, by the way, quick detail: when he throws the jacket over B two M O at first, her the hologram face gets covered almost halfway, where like the darkness is trying to overcome the light, but the light yep. still shines through and the message still gets out. It was so good. Ah, oh, this was so cool. <laughs> uh, and then 
chaos ensues. And it starts with, I love that because the episode opens on Wilmon, right? Who we, we only saw as a background character in like an early episode, but this person, this, I can't remember, uh, but like the, they're building a bomb, right? <laughs> I was yes. so confused. I was like, what the fuck are they building right now? This is, oh. this is so weird. That but... wasn't the part that I was confused about. <laughs> like right away, I was like, oh, he's building a bomb. Right. So that was, again, one of those pieces where I was like, like shit's building up. Like you kind of get a sense of what's going to happen. It was like, okay, he's building a bomb. When and where is this going to go off? And especially once once stuff starts to go down, it was like, okay, where's this bomb that we that we saw being built yes. throughout numerous parts of the first half of this episode? When's it going to go off? There was a part of me that thought it was going to be on B2MO for when the guy ran up on him. And my heart oh, sank no. for a second. I was like, no, please don't. No, no. But it worked out. The thing that fine. I was kind of confused about and is my only... And again, maybe it's because I'm confused about it, but it's my only like uh, knock on this episode is one of the background characters throughout like this whole season. He shows up and he has an interaction like in the beginning with with the brother dude. And then during the skirmish, he's like, arrest me. And then they like like he like whispers to one of the empire dudes to like arrest him and then they arrest him and like oh, i did no 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 so that's i know what you're talking about um he in the very first episode he asked cassian for money he cassian owes him money right and then he 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 recruits the big guy to try to intimidate him but the big guy's actually friends with cassian and they talk it off and he walks away right uh he i think ultimately because of cassian he turned on them and he's taking money from the empire he's working with them because I, I he's the one he reported some information oh now i can't because he overheard something in i think in the previous episode oh now i wish i could remember that but he he is like he had already been in contact he was almost like one of the spies for the empire that's why he was like that's why he was telling the guy you know take me and arrest so me. i missed that because okay. it wasn't until after i'd watched this and i I was listening to like uh, a Star Wars podcast where they were talking about this show and they were talking about how he was like how he was a spy for the Empire. And I was like, when was this established? Yeah. And then like. So it was the episode before. Clearly, I missed that part. But then like sure. he's like arrest me and they the, the dude like takes him off into that other room and nothing happens like he blows up during the skirmish and like they kind of to me i felt like they set it up where like he was gonna like he was gonna be a problem for andor at some point in that episode and then he just gets blown away before that even happens where it was like why yeah. did we spend so much time establishing this plot point to just like wipe it off the board right away so my immediate reaction because andor runs in when he's saving bix right and he sees that this guy's dead it's almost like andor doesn't know what this guy did this guy, he, Andor doesn't know that this guy betrayed him. All he sees is that now he's a casualty of all this. It's almost like, I don't know. It's a, it, it's almost like Cassian doesn't know what he doesn't know at this point. He, all he sees is a, it's a person he used to know who lived here, who is now a casualty of all this, but he doesn't know that he turned on him. Like, it's almost like another blindside, uh, something, another blinder that Cassian can have. Um, Val and, uh, Sinta. Sinta 
they're there. They don't really do anything. No. Which no. same with uh same with oh man, now I can't think of his name. But he I mean he has a big part with wow, I'm just blanking on all the names right now. Um you know that one guy, he did that one thing with the other one. <laughs> Cyril. Cyril Karn has a very big moment with Dead Ramiro. But other than that, him and the, the Scottish guy from like the third episode, like yeah. they 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 show up there and they have this big hat swap scene, right? On the butt on the train there or on the yeah. bus, whatever you want to call it. But then the, the Scottish guy's just kind of standing there while Cyril actually does something. But like they're both officers. Like I I I'm surprised he didn't jump in there and immediately start happening. I obviously Cyril his focus was Dedra Miro at that point where I, like, I thought, I thought something was going to happen to her at some, but I, which I was almost, it's weird because she's a, obviously antagonist. I was worried that something was going to happen to her. Cause there's so much more story that you can tell with her, you know, like it was, a, oh it was a weird God. feeling like, uh, dude, the fact well, well, that we'll, they almost we'll, kissed, we'll get, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll get into that. I, I'm still, I'm still on. And right, I, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm realizing that, my my one knock is is going a bit longer than I expected <laughs> because you're, you're bringing a lot of a lot of things to like the forefront where I'm just like piecing things together to come to the conclusion that like again it, it's one knock but it, it's it's uh it's got a wider net than okay. I first realized my one knock is that there's a lot of we we've got all of our main characters here which we needed. And we've got like a lot of characters here and there's a lot going on, but there's like characters that weren't really either needed in this, in this episode or like they didn't really do anything like the, the, the trader dude, I feel like they could have done more with him to like make that, that plot point be more, uh, Vel and Sinta, I get why they were there, but they didn't do anything with them in this yeah. whole conflict in this, in this episode. And then the Scottish guy, like you said, if Cyril wouldn't have jumped in and Bro, I why did they switch hats? Say, I'm so I, confused. <laughs> I, I'm kind of confused about that too. It's gotta mean something. There's gotta but be like, obviously there's gonna be there there's no way that there would just be that one scene of them switching hats for no reason. There's gonna be something that comes out of that. So if Cyril wouldn't have done anything, I would have said the same thing about him. But the Scottish guy, like maybe that was Cyril's ticket to get like to the scene yeah. okay like which, I can it, which it was that. he was the one who informed him of the funeral and everything so you, you can say that luthan didn't do anything but there's an argument for him being there i i like the fact that he's there and he's he's just watching he's witnessing what his actions are now bringing forth like he's he's been planning and he's been trying to get the rise of resistance for so long and now he's finally seeing it firsthand like instead of just being being the guy like the mastermind of it all that's just moving the chess pieces he's he's there and he can actually witness it instead of being yeah. like instead of getting like the the status report afterwards of like oh yep uh we we let Krieger take the fall and uh 30 people died like great that's good <laughs> that that's one piece that moved now now let's yeah. let's make some more moves here like he's actually like seeing it firsthand of like yes this is what needs to happen and then of course uh the end of the episode which we'll get to but like we'll get to that <laughs> so like it, it makes sense that he's there but there's yeah there there's a few characters here where it's like i get that you needed to be here but we mm -hmm. didn't 
do anything with you. So, so that's my only knock on this episode. So we, Cyril has his part. The Scottish guy, again, I think he's his ticket to, he's his, he's Cyril's ticket to Ferrix. And there's the hat swap, which is going to come up again. I'm trying to remember Vel. I specifically remember Vel running into battle when everyone else was running away. Does she help someone that's injured? Does she continue the fight? I genuinely can't remember. Like, I, I do don't... not. I do not remember anything that her and Cinta did, other than they were like hiding and they were like jumping from building to building throughout the whole combat. But I don't remember any significant mm. thing that they did to either help or uh, harm what was going on. Okay. I and know then, that they were hunting for, for Cassian, but they right. never ran into him. Like if they, if they would have ran into him and he would have like, you know, found a way to, to sneak away from them, that would have been like, okay, like wow. now, now, now you've justified your reason for being here. The way that Cinta has been able to like identify people and like sneak around in Ferrix in the last few episodes. I wouldn't be surprised if she saw him run onto the ship and get everyone else on the ship and then saw him run back into Ferrix. I wouldn't be surprised if that's like one of the opening scenes of season two is like her following Cassian through Ferrix. Um, Could be, or she follows Cassian back to let's just get to it because we're, we're we've, we've danced around her. it a couple times now. Uh, Andor finds his way on Luthen's ship at the end of the ah, episode, yes. and that's basically like, "Hey, I, I'm I'm in this." Like, if Cinta followed him back to Luthen's ship, and then like, because her mission is to kill Andor, so if she's following him back to Luthen's ship, but then she hears all that. Like, imagine that. Like, she or because she, no, because his because his whole thing is like, "Okay, I'm here. You, I know you want to kill me. I'm a loose end. Kill me." But then I think, again, I think this has been Luthen's thing the whole time. I misconstrued it early, but I think it has been in the back of Luthen's mind. Yes, he wants to kill him because he's a loose end, but I think he knows how important Cassian Andor is to this. And yeah. now he's realizing it when he's when Cassian is literally presenting himself to him where, where Luthen doesn't actually kill him. Like, can you imagine if, if Sinta's around the corner, like, yes, Luthen, kill him. And then you hear Luthen basically spare his life. It's like... Oh, that could be so interesting. That would be awesome. Oh, then that would justify her. <laughs> yes, being there. But otherwise, it's like again, it was like I know why you're there, but you didn't do anything with them. So again, I remember Val running into battle, but I can't remember what she did after that. All this talk, like I feel like it. Well, I, I want to go back and rewatch this whole season because oh, it me was too, absolutely phenomenal. But uh -huh. like. This whole talk now, I'm like, do I need to go back and rewatch those last two episodes again? <laughs> I definitely do. <laughs> um, there is another thing I want to talk about. Is there anything else that, with the funeral or anything that you want to talk about? Um, we we touched on it a little bit, but I want to focus more on it. Serial uh, and Deidre. Serial. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we should absolutely cover that quick. Um, um I, I joked about it a few episodes ago, but now I think uh, it's gonna happen in season no. two. It, it's it's except it, it's not gonna be hate fucking anymore, <laughs> <laughs> or if it is, it's only gonna be a, a little bit because, like, dude, they weren't going to kiss. <laughs> mm -mm. No, 
No, no, no. It she better was not so hot and bothered that he saved her. Dude, that okay. he happened to be there at the right moment. Like, <laughs> which, I'm... but let, before we get to that, sure. When the whole crowd is on her, I was like, I was like, I, I thought was, she was gone. I thought I she did, was gone. I did too. And like, I, I felt the same way that you did where I was like, there's so much more that you could do with this character, but she's got this coming to her. So I, at the same time, I was like, I was like, ah, but I was also like, yes, get her. <laughs> Which in a weird twisted sense, Cyril actually came to her say like to, to save her. Ah, yeah. like it's, he saved the day. <laughs> what good storytelling. I can't believe it. But yeah, like the fact that her acting Denise Gow, I just have to credit in that scene when he he's got her, you know, gu at gunpoint, takes her out of the scene, out of the fight and everything. And then she turns and realizes that it's him. It's such anger and disgust and confusion, but also joy and maybe attraction. There are so many emotions on yes. her face and in her eyes. The acting was phenomenal in that yeah. scene that's, that's, I why, I, that's why i said there, there's gonna be hate fucking in season two <laughs> i was going through every single emotion with her in that scene it was just like she had <laughs> not she's been great through this whole like honestly besides maybe skellen uh scars yard whatever besides him maybe she's been the best actor in this whole show like they those two have been the best yeah just portraying their character and staying true to their character the entire time. But this scene was, I, I don't know how she did that. It was just awesome. And I was scared that they were going to kiss, but they didn't. And I, I, unlike you do not think they will. Oh, I do. I think that there's going to be something. I think Cyril's going to, I, because Cyril, yes, he likes her. There he is does. That, it, but an he's, obvious... playing, he's playing the long game, which is why he, why he didn't go forward with that. But he's he's playing the long game because the long game isn't Dedra Miro. The long game is Cassie and Andor. So I think yeah. at some point he's going to overstep everything. And that's where the re relationship is going to fracture there. And they're almost going to butt heads at some point and the get long, each other's way. The long game is Cassie, but the long game is also the rise to power, which Deidre can definitely help him uh, get back into the Empire on the good side and the rise of power. See, but I don't Dude, think he I, cares. I don't think he cares about his title or his status. He cares about justice and it happening. Yes, but he he was also like a leading officer. Yes, and assistant. He, <laughs> he still. I know he was. He was definitely the the reason why he was taking all those steps wasn't just justice. It was it was to gain that power to then do more quote unquote <sighs> justice like. I, he's, I I feel like he's all about, you know, doing what he feels is right and the justice part of it. But I, it's also, I feel like he's also motivated to rise up so that he can then fulfill that vision even more. That's the only reason he would, I think, I, I, again, this is just the character. This is my vision of the character. The only reason he would want that power is to fulfill that 
that that justice like yes. that he, he doesn't need he doesn't necessarily need it as long as he can still pursue justice but like if it if it helps him overlook it more then yes i i guess yeah in that case i would i would agree with you plus he's he's seen like her power and her control and that's i feel like is part of his attraction to her oh absolutely and, and you know if if he's attracted to that why wouldn't he be motivated to try to get that for himself too if this is if this is the first star wars anything close to a sex scene that we get it's going to be one of the most i don't want to say out there because that seems like judgmental but like like the the power dynamic is very like for a for a first sex scene in a in a series they don't even have to show like well of course they don't <laughs> because there's already been sex in this show they haven't shown it but they're all the way back in episode what two three with uh bix and tim was his name uh yeah they definitely slept <laughs> together so sex has already been in the show they could easily have them just making out and then like the next thing we know they're naked in bed like they don't have to show it <laughs> i just don't i just don't see it happening i do <laughs> and i think a lot of people do too because a lot of people also feel the same way that we did with that moment uh when he saved her <laughs> So before we get to the end credit scene, we do need to talk a tad bit about Mon Mothma, who did not have a huge part in this finale, but did have a significant part in the one scene, I think we saw in this one, yep. where it was the uh, the meeting of the children, right? It was Mon Mothma's daughter and... Uh, gangster dude's son. The gangster banker, his son. Um, I, I Very quick talk about it. The daughter had a smirk. There was not a smile, but she was obviously pro what is happening. Like we we saw her involvement in the rituals in the old ways of Coruscant when she had all the all the other people at at the house. She obviously is pro the arrangement, right? Yeah, Mon Mothma must have had a discussion with her off camera where this wasn't just blindly. Oh here. no, and. It has to, she had to have give like, had her daughter perceive this as, like, a good thing. Because throughout this whole first season, the daughter has been very much, like, against mom and against mom's wishes. And I the fact that she's got both the daughter and her douchebag husband along for the ride, too. Like, something big had to have happened there to get them both on board. And I don't think she was honest with either of them about the way to get them on board. The daughter is a, is against Mon Mothma, but pro-tradition because she's against Mon Mothma and Mon Mothma doesn't like tradition. So I think that's where it falls in, where I, she absolutely could have approached her and said, hey, it's tradition that you get arranged, that you have an arranged marriage. I found someone for you. And the daughter could have easily just been, boom. Yep, I'm into it. Mon Mothma could have even thrown in a, I don't agree with this, but I found someone for you. Mm. Boom, she's going to be into it. Um, the other small detail that I love is that Mon Mothma slightly changed her wardrobe to include the colors of, again, I can't remember the banker's name, but 
they include the colors of his family, basically. So, like, again, Mon Mothma, perfect on the outside, showing her support, putting on this facade, but on the inside, absolutely fucking hating what's going on that she's supporting. I I love everything about the Mon Mothma character in this season. Like, yeah. they have done such a good job. I cannot wait to see what they do, because at some point, she has to leave the Senate to take over the rebellion uh leadership right like that that she has to leave her family too yes and because we've never seen her family until this show so yep. that's why i i again we know the end game for this show but we don't know how we get to that end game and i it's just it's a tough thing to do a prequel or to do a story of you know how you know the ending the fact that there's so much intrigue in this show is just incredible it's a testament to the storytelling final scene are, are we at that point yeah let's talk about it i i took the last one you can take this one <laughs> it's confirmed i mean they they weren't like this is what happened but like we we made assumptions and i think that we can now confirm with that last scene 100 percent in the credit putting, that yeah that uh when cassian was in prison they were building parts to the death star because we see the big dish uh in the death star is getting assembled and it's near nearly complete and i i kind of love the uh the poetry of the fact that like andor was helping to build the weapon that ultimately destroys him so perfect so <laughs> everyone wanted it and it's here and because at the same time he's he's building what's ultimately going to save the universe it like metaphorically, but physically he's building what's going to destroy a lot of planets. It's such a, it's a lot so of planets, cool. a lot of lives and mm -hmm. his life too. It's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah. Specifically his life, which is, yeah, I, I absolutely love it. I, again, you can tell that these are the same people from Rogue One who are doing like the production and the, and, and everything. Uh, oh yeah. Because one of the big things that I loved about Rogue One which has been pretty prevalent in this series as a whole too is the scope of everything this death star looked massive in this last scene all the times that the tie fighters showed up in this series like they looked like usually they look like itty bitty like little yeah. little toys flying across the screen which they were but like that's what they looked like in past star wars whereas this show it was like no that thing is massive that is a fighter even the the um star destroyer in the previous episode yeah. taking luthan on like that was massive as well the just that tiny scene i can't remember what episode it was but when you had all the all the empire people running to the tie fighters like that in itself created a scale in which now we can understand here's a person here's the tie fighter and then here's everything that the tie fighters have been fighting just there yes you hit it on the head when i when i brought this up the scale and the scope of everything this this end credit scene starts on these little robots putting in the big parts that we've already seen all these people building so the parts are already twice the size of a human these robots are about the same size as a human, you know, in scale. They're putting in to the to the dish, and then you you just slowly zoom out, and they're on this tiny dish. 
which is on another tiny dish, which is on another tiny dish, which is ultimately part of this bigger dish, which is ultimately just an eighth of the surface of the Death Star. Like, just the uh, the way to portray the scale and the size of the Death Star is just awesome. I you could you couldn't even see the first uh plate that they were on when you finally zoom out you could barely see it on the map or on the screen just phenomenal and yes obviously like you said we we got the confirmation about cassian building his demise which is just poetic Mwah. so good yeah everything about the show has just been i i cannot wait <laughs> season two i'm so excited for what they do leading into rogue one i can't wait to go back and watch rogue one. Oh, yeah i can't wait uh i watched rogue one before i watched episode episodes one and three or one through three uh, i'm probably gonna go back and watch it again <laughs> me too final thoughts on season one as a whole since this is the last time we're gonna be talking about this for probably two years Oh my god, I don't like that. Um, yeah, just phenomenal. Genuinely, I'd have to go and actually look at rankings and everything, but like top three Star Wars project, probably like pretty easily. One of my favorites, the fact that I was living through it too, and like I got to watch it week to week. Um, just absolutely phenomenal. Storytelling, phenomenal, music, phenomenal, acting, phenomenal, casting, phenomenal. Everything was just so well done. It's just so impressive. Like, yes, you had a couple nitpicks. There's been a couple plot holes out there, but they're always fixed by fan theory, which is I don't I don't consider that a plot hole. If it can be fixed by fan theory, like if there's a plot hole that's immediately like, no, this can't be explained, then that's an actual plot hole. To me, if you if you can fix a plot hole with a fan theory, then I, I almost accept that as, okay, that's fine then. And so with like, knowing that there's more coming of this show, the majority of those those holes can easily be filled in the next season. Exactly. And I love that they announced, hey, we're doing two 12-episode seasons because it allowed us to go into the season not thinking that this was going to lead up to Rogue One, knowing that this was going to lead up into another season knowing that that season would lead up into Rogue One. I think they've done everything perfectly. I I, I cannot wait to go back and rewatch all of this. The people that don't like this show, I don't understand. <laughs> I have recommended this show to anyone that I know has even watched a second of a Star Wars movie. I have tried to tell people how good this is, and it's hard to put into words. But I have tried to just tell people, go watch Andor. It's so, especially now that, because there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I'm going to wait till all the episodes are out so I can just binge it. All the episodes are out now. Go fucking watch it. It's right. so good. Yes. Uh, I I love this show. I think it's one of my favorite shows of the year so far. Um, I've enjoyed this show more than the majority of the Marvel shows that we've talked about, which says a lot because, again, Going into the show, this is a show about a character that was like a second or third character in a Star Wars movie that a lot of people like don't like, which again, I don't understand either because I feel like that's it's 
easily one of the best Star Wars movies under the Disney reign of uh, Star Wars movies. And the show, uh, you put it perfectly. I, I love that there's there's a full-on vision and game plan of this show. It's two 12-episode seasons, nothing more. Uh, we're, we're not going to keep building off of it because of the success of it or whatnot. We got a story that we're going to tell. We know the story we're going to tell. It's very refreshing to see Star Wars with an overall game plan because so much of the Star Wars stuff under the Disney reign regime has been just going on the fly. Like we're, we're going to do this. It's, it's been so reactionary and I love that like for the first time, it feels like this is point a to point B and everything in between. We already know, and we've already got mapped out. And there's transparency between the producers and the fans. It Like I said, they're telling us this is one season, a second season, leading into Rogue One. It's not like they said, hey, we're going to do Andor. And then at the end of this episode, there was the post-credit scene where they said, coming back in season two, you know, like they said, there's going to be two seasons. So I just, I love the transparency because it, I think it allows us to accept it early and say, okay, how does this build into a second season? And then how does that build into the movie? Like, I, yeah, I, I think that is the correct way to go about it. Um, all of the characters in this show are completely amazing. The fact that like we have this main character, Andor, who has been great throughout this whole show. But isn't like the standout the fact that like some of like these side characters are like even stealing more of the spotlight than he is at times. Um, the writing has been so so good. The fact that the majority of this show is just people having conversations, and that still is captivating and is still suspenseful and is still like, oh my gosh, what's happening? The fact that like some of the the monologues in this show have been some of like the best speeches that I've heard like ever. <laughs> um, it's, it's just, I can't say enough good things about it. Yes. I've, I've had a couple nitpicks. I've had a couple gripes. The first two episodes were a little rough. I will say like, I wasn't fully hooked until that third episode seeing where we were building up to, but I feel like it was very smart of them to drop those three episodes right off the bat because, like, I probably wouldn't have been hooked and followed this show if you would have done week to week right from the start. The fact that, like, we had those three episodes of show, this is the structure of the show. We're going to start something, we're going to build on it, and then it's going to lead into something big. And then we're going to start something, we're going to build on it, lead to something big. Like, once I caught that that format of the show I was I was fully on board especially with how things ended up going in those like third acts <laughs> of those arcs um I never thought that like watching people like prisoners in a prison building something would be like one of the highlights uh for me oh, so good overall I feel like 
that might be one of like my other small teeny tiny gripes with the show is the fact that like the prison arc I felt like was a was a bigger and more satisfying like arc than the final arc of the show. Like that last episode of the prison break I felt was more captivating and more exciting and like I it like if I had to pick between those two which one was better that episode or the season finale I'd probably go with the prison break episode if they but could again, have structured it whereas the the where the prison break was the end of the season uh, end of season 1 I I kind of agree with you that would have been yeah I, but I again, can't disagree these are these are tiny 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 nitpicks because overall, this show has been absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I have one last thing before we finally wrap this up that I just thought about. Is he going to find his sister? That was the very first thing in the first fucking episode. He was looking for his sister. Where has that gone? That's got to come back. There's no way that they just dropped that. I I'm feel like... I've... I feel like he's going to because at one point, I don't remember who says it, but at one point somebody it's Marva. She tells him to stop looking mm -hmm. for the last time that they, that they talk. She tells Cassian to stop looking for his sister. Exactly. So the fact that like mom told me no and then died. Yeah. He's probably going to be like, okay. Yeah. And plus I got all of this like rebel stuff. That's going to be more important. I feel like, He's going to find her by mistake or exactly. like something's going to be revealed. I just because it would be awkward. I hope it's not Bix. Oh. I, could, I could see it being like, oh, it's somebody that you've known for a very long time. That's been a big part of your life this whole time. I hope that's not the case because that would be kind of awkward since we know that they had a relationship. But I, I feel like that is going to be answered in season two. It, it has to be because that then would be a big flaw of season one as well. If they never answer the fact of like, like if they started this storyline about him and his sister and they don't wrap that up at all, <laughs> like it'd be kind of pointless, you know? Is there any chance it's Jin or so? <laughs> I don't think it is. I just want to throw it out there. Is there no. any way that it's someone that he does know in Rogue One? I don't think so, because I feel like if that would have been the case, you would have had to address that in Rogue One. That's, the see, again, the issue with prequels. I, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I just wanted to throw it out there. <laughs> I think that would be a really sloppy way of, yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, those are my final thoughts. Uh, Luthen is one of my favorite Star Wars characters at this point. Freaking... Awesome. Um, Kino might be one of my favorite Star Wars characters Dude, too. The fact that the uh the fact that they came out and said Kino may be dead, maybe he's not, maybe he is. I dude, I need to see him. I don't know. I don't know how or where or why, but I need to see him back just to see one slight redemption from him. But like ah, kind what of... a good character for fuck three episodes. I kind of like the idea. I, I like how they ended his arc in this season where like you don't know. Like yeah. you you have a feeling of what happened, but you don't you don't know. And I like that. And 
I get that it's very convenient that they ended it that way and they saw the reception of Andy Circus and Kino and they fucking knew that they had motherfucking <laughs> uh, that they had him, you know. Uh Andy Circus. I don't know why I just blanked on his name for the longest time there. The the power of editing hopefully can oh. fix that. Um the fact that they knew that they had motherfucking Andy Circus, like you know you got gold in an actor. So they knew what they had. And the fact that they're like, oh, you know, I get that it'd be convenient to bring him back. The only way that I'd be okay with it is if he had an even more satisfying arc in season two. Somehow. But that would that would be very hard to top. Be difficult. I very just wanna, hard to top. I want to put to bed the thoughts that he is like the I don't know, like the brainchild of Snoke or something. Just because they're the same actor yeah. does not mean they're connected. Put that shit to bed real right now. Oh there's I'm no sorry, way. But but Snoke, who who fucking cares? Who fucking cares? Ryan Johnson said, Who fucking cares? Let's kill this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people hated that movie, but I actually really like Last Jedi. Me and you are on the exact same page about Last Jedi. Last Jedi as a standalone Star Wars movie is fucking phenomenal. As a part of the trilogy, it sucks because it doesn't follow the story, but that's because it was his own standalone director. And that's because they had no game plan. Exactly. Like if, if they would have had a game plan... And they would have been paying more attention to the movie that was made. Yeah, a lot of things could have been fixed. And a lot of people, this is a go, whole other episode. You go back to any <laughs> other Midwesterners. I know we've talked about this before because I know I've talked to you about this. You go back to any Midwesterners. I, we, I know me and you have ranted about this before. Yes, uh, that's because it was definitely during the, uh, the Star Wars draft episode. Because- <laughs> yeah. Because I know that Chad hates The Last Jedi, and I know that we were both like, no, it's not. I The thing that I appreciate about that movie the most is that I felt like it took risks. Like, it, it made big moves, it made big shots that a lot of people, yeah, weren't happy with. But I appreciated the fact that, like, it was something different. Because sure. how many times have we watched a Star Wars movie and we know what's going to happen? I mean, we don't know, like... For a fact, without seeing it, what's going to happen? But like, there there's certain things where it's like this happens for every Star Wars movie, and that movie was just like, you know, no, it's not going to do that. I love uh, a flawed Luke Skywalker, and I know a lot of people think that he's supposed to be like this all powerful Jesus type character. Don't agree with that. And I like the arc that they took him in that movie. I like a lot of the choices that were made in that movie. There are some things that, yeah, I didn't like. Canto Bite should have not even happened in that movie. Um, <laughs> I think, and I know a lot of people hated Rose because of her getting in the way of Finn and um, and Ray. I'm actually one of those people. <laughs> and And I understand that, but I feel like that would have been the point. Like, had you have had a vision of then episode three, I feel like that love triangle could have been interesting. Um, Fair. But since we didn't get to see that, like, people are just like, oh, fuck that that plot line. Uh, but yeah, I, I liked a lot of a lot of what happened in 
in the last Jedi. I liked a lot of the fact that they were like, "Oh, you think this is going to happen? No. Nope. <laughs> you think this is going to happen? No." Nope. Like it kept you on your toes and most of it worked for me. To your but, point about a to to your point about a flawed Luke Skywalker, I love that I, I think it's very common in Star Wars that you have the Jedi in their prime be like the golden child, right? And they're like the perfect person. But then as they get older, there are those flaws that start to appear as the new Padawan and the new Prime Jedi take over. Like I I like that. Like there no one's because no one's perfect. Even the chosen motherfucking Luke Skywalker cannot be perfect. No one is. And it was the perfect end to his character to show how all powerful he was by using the force to project himself being there. The fact that he so resolved the conflict without conflict is, mm -hmm. is the Jedi way. Like he mm -hmm. went out like fully as a Jedi, finally like coming back and accepting who he was. And, uh, but this is, this is the Andor uh, conversation, the Andor episode, not the last Jedi episode. Um, but, Fucking Rise of Skywalker just killed it all. <laughs> if anything, all the people that that hate the Last Jedi, it's like, did you not see Rise of Skywalker? Because, ah, <laughs> uh, that movie just—I don't know. It, it makes me go, why? Why do I want to go back and watch seven and eight then, <laughs> when I know that nine is a steaming, steaming turd? I still enjoy Episode Nine. <laughs> oh, I don't. The fact that like. C-3PO had the most fulfilling arc for me in that movie. <laughs> the motherfucking droid. And then they still That's found funny. a way to fuck that up too by like bringing him back with wiped memory. I was like, no. Come on. I know they shouldn't have kissed, but I still like Rey and Kylo's arc. I'll say it. <laughs> I still enjoyed it. I am one of the fans that still enjoyed the three movie arc. Uh, I... I... <laughs> that no <laughs> that Thanks. that's where hey we we came together at last jedi that's something i guess <laughs> i agree that it absolutely could have been done better but i enjoyed it for what it was anyway huge tangent over that was uh, andor yeah to wrap up that tangent i wish colin trevorrow would have had been able to tell his his story the 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 script that he had for episode nine i feel like would have been a much better movie than what we got um but yeah again we, we could talk star more star wars in a different episode but this is the andor episode that's already going kind of long so uh those are andor thoughts if you want us to talk a little bit more about that if you want to hear more thoughts you're gonna have to reach out to us to let us know because at this point i think Unless it happens to pop up on an end of the year episode, uh, I think our Andor discussion is done until season two, or until we get um, like a trailer or some news about season two. So that's Andor. We loved it. Before we can close out this episode, though, we got to do our favorite segment on the show: some best off recommendations. I'm gonna go first because mine's kind of quick. Uh, I got a game over Black Friday that I had the chance to play over the weekend. Um, I'm not very far in it at all because I am not a gamer, and this game definitely shows me that I'm not a gamer. Uh, the game is Sonic Frontiers. Uh, it's the Breath of the Wild for the Sonic franchise, the 3D Sonic games. 
as far as 3D Sonic games go, I think it's it's the best. And that's just with the little bit that I've played. There's four different worlds that you have to collect Chaos Emeralds and like take out the final boss of in this game. I've gotten three Chaos Emeralds on the first island. This is one of those games where when you when you're at the main screen and you hit the continue and your little file pops up of like which which uh, uh, thing to continue, uh, they tell you how long you've been playing this game, which makes me feel ashamed that I've spent <laughs> as much time as I have and am as far as I am. <laughs> um, it's definitely one of those games, kind of like Breath of the Wild too, where like if you go too far, you're not going to be able to do some things until you go back and, and redo those. There's one point where like I found myself way too far ahead than where I was supposed to be. And I don't know how I got there. And I was just struggling not only with where I was at, but then trying to get back to and finding like fighting my way back to where I was supposed to get. Um, I, I was like, I could do this game on medium. Like I can do this game on normal. Like that shouldn't be a problem within like, 15 minutes i went and changed it to easy and i'm still struggling so <laughs> i'm not a gamer but i enjoy where this game is going i enjoy uh the potential of where we can go with this game i enjoy the little challenges i the the villains i i like in this game too um and i like the fact that like each island that you're at you have to get all the chaos emeralds to then supersonic up to beat the boss you have to do that four times i like the fact that it's like the majority of the sonic games it's like you're lucky if you can get all the chaos emeralds and like supersonic up and if you do it's like a one like it's a, a one chance that you were able to do that unless you're like an all-star like professional pro gamer so the fact that this game's like nope it's part of the objective is to get the chaos emeralds to supersonic up i i like that because i like supersonic i like how op he is um i like the fact that uh he came first so dbz ripped off of the, the sonic franchise with the super saiyans and and yellow big spiky hair um but yeah sonic frontiers has been a lot of fun so far i've like i said i've I got a little bit of time to play it over the weekend. I think I played it for like three and a half hours and I'm 14% through the game. So that tells how big of a game it is. Um, I also got another game in the mail though. So uh, I, I talked about it last week, the Hot Wheels game. So there's going to be a little bit of a, of a, a fight of which game is going to get more attention coming up. I'm sure I'll talk about Hot Wheels again. Uh, next week uh, for my best stuff because uh, I'm I'm pretty pumped and excited for that. But uh, Sonic Frontiers, it's definitely worth the purchase. Um, if you jumped on it for Black Friday, that's great. You did a good job. If not, if you're waiting for it to uh, go down in price, definitely don't forget about it because it, it's it's worth the purchase. So that reminds me of my recommendation last week which was not a recommendation because i hadn't played it yet but pokemon scarlet uh i have now put in quite a bit of good time into it very fun game 
every, absolutely. I, I, I back my recommendation last week. Yes, a lot of people have complained about glitches and i was gonna say i've heard all, nothing but negative things about those games and there's so many people that are like give me my money back for this incomplete game let me let me ask you what were the complaints that you heard was it graphical or was it gameplay um i heard some glitching but a lot of it was graphics yeah which... exactly you're buying a game on the Switch, which Breath of the Wild is the exception on the Switch. Breath of the Wild is an amazing game, and I don't know how they achieved it. But most games on the Switch are not fan are, are not phenomenal graphically. That's just which, that's just the story. That's just that's because of the system itself. It's exactly not, it's not built for those for the the quality of graphics that most games require nowadays. Which I, I'm gonna cut in yep. for like. Two more seconds to say Sonic Frontiers does look good on the Switch. Um, I know a lot of people, when doing my research on this game, uh, a lot of people say it does look better like on the Xbox and PS5 and PC, which, yes, that mm -hmm. I can absolutely understand that. But if you're like me and you only own a Switch, you don't have to be afraid like you were with Sonic Colors with that re-release because... I heard nothing but bad things about that game being glitchy as hell and the graphics being shit and all that. Sonic Frontiers, though, does look really good on the Switch. Good. Yeah. Pokemon, if you are a stickler for graphics and if you're if it's gonna upset you, then it's gonna upset you. But I'm having a lot of fun with the game. Yes, you notice some things here and there, but honestly, that shit doesn't bother me, so I don't care. I'm having so much fun playing a new Pokemon game, and that's honestly what matters at the end. My best stuff oh, for the week. How many Pokemon are there at this point? Oh my I, god, I, there's too many. <laughs> I I dropped off after 150 because when they were like Ooh. next next gen and there's like 150 more, I was like, nope, that's too many for me. I have a hard enough time with the 150. <laughs> I then... dropped I dropped off after the fourth generation, and there are Pokemon in this game that I thought were brand new that have been around for a couple of years that people are like, oh yeah, it's this guy. I was like, oh. No fucking clue about him, actually. <laughs> Same goes with Pokemon Go. Like, I was there for <laughs> Gen 1, and then when Gen 2 got introduced, I was like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, but my actual best off of the week, I will also keep it brief. I have mentioned College Humor's dropout uh, subscription service before. I want to shout out another show on there because they are in the uh, at the beginning of a new season of one of their shows. It is called Game Changer, which is a game show that they play every week, every two weeks, I think. But the rules of the game show change every week. It's honestly fucking hilarious because everyone employed by College Humor and Dropout are comedians. So they tailor the show around improvisation Improvising. Improvising. <laughs> Improvising. Yes. Uh they just they, they make the show comedic while also competitive. It's just it's a it's a really good time. The the episode that they dropped this week was a karaoke episode, except all of the karaoke songs were not real songs. So one of the examples was a song called Hashtag Global Warming by Macklemore. <laughs> Oh, so the person who picked that song had to improvise a song. It's honestly, so, and that's only one of the rule, the random rules that they create every episode for this show. It's it's so much fun. 
I, I, I get endless humor out of this. And there's old episodes. They did a couple seasons during the pandemic. So there's some stuff over Zoom too. But like, I honestly just, yeah, there's endless content on Dropout. And Game Changer is one of the one of the shining gems on the subscription service. So there you have it. All of the video games and a game show. That <laughs> is what we have for you for the best stuff this week. We have Ben. Your Midwestern nerds. That's M I D W E S T E R N E R D S. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Midwestern Nerds. You can find us on Facebook at the Midwestern Nerds Podcast. Um, if you'd like to send us an email, you can send that to Midwestern Nerds at gmail.com. Uh, you can find and stream and listen to our podcast on Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Please remember to rate and review, share and subscribe, be kind, please rewind. All of these things help this channel to continue to improve and grow and be the Midwestern nerd show that you, the listener, want to listen to. Wow, I didn't think I was going to make it through that. <laughs> next week, we do have a game plan for next week, believe it or not. Uh, there's a little holiday special that came out uh, right after Thanksgiving. We had the chance to watch it. It's Kyle's favorite Marvel uh, property. I'm uh, going to watch it at least 10 more times before we record <laughs> it last, next week. The Guardians Christmas special. So we are going to talk Guardians Christmas special. And then we're going to segue into uh, phase four overall. Because this is the epilogue of phase four. But... All of that is going to be coming and more. I will probably rewatch this special as well. Um, I've got some thoughts on it, and I want to back those thoughts up with uh, refreshed viewing. So, Guardians Christmas special next week on the Midwesterners podcast. But for this week, I've been your host, Brian Stoffel. And I've been KO Kyle Olson. And whether it's Beer Brats Comics or Rising of Resistance, keep it nerdy.